Miracy. When you learn to paint, you see the world in full color. And it adds so much richness because we're all born with creativity. That's what I believe. We're born with it. And someone said, everyone's an artist until they're told they're not. And that's so true. I mean, you know, when little kids paint something or do something and they're so proud of it until they're told that it's not quite in the lines. Hello and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Ari Ini, the Director of Growth at Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey, Abe. Hey there, Ari. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course or the business model behind it, or both. Today, we welcome Lori Anderson to the show. Lori is the owner and CEO of Alexander Art, a company that runs programs for novice and experienced painters alike to improve their craft and their confidence. Thanks for joining us today, Lori. Thank you, Ari. I'm glad to be here. To kick us off, could you just give us kind of the 30,000 foot view of your business, kind of what you do at Alexander Art and the courses that you have? I've always been excited about education and educating. And that's really what our focus is. So we started out where we did in-store classes and we did workshops and all in-person classes. And we did that for many, many, many years. And I learned a lot of things along the way while we were doing that. And what I found is in those classes, people would come in. Usually they would come to paint a particular painting, a project, you know, that would look good on their wall when they were finished. But what we realized is they weren't really learning how to paint. There were a lot of times that the instructor ended up helping them paint their paintings or just to get them out of the class and so or the paintings wouldn't look finished or whatever. And so we did that for many, many years. And so then I thought, you know, when we had this vast library, we used to produce public or art shows for public television. And for many years, we did that. And we taught people all over North America how to paint or how to paint. We would show them how to paint. We couldn't teach them how to paint because our model was 27 minutes. I mean, what can you do in 27 minutes when the parameters around the show was finish a painting that looks good enough to print in a book that we can put step-by-step instructions for in 27 minutes. So what we did is we digitized that whole library. And our next step was, okay, let's put them on DVD and let people learn from home. And we did that in 2008. We digitized everything and we started selling DVDs. And that worked because that provided content, but it wasn't enough because we still, what we were were providing were those 27-minute shows. And so we were still on, you know, they still had the same problems. So a customer once by every single one of Bill Alexander's shows, and it was 200 and some videos. And he called me and he was really frustrated. And he said, where do I start? And my answer was, it doesn't matter. Just pick one up and paint it. And which took me on this long journey to figure out, wait a minute, where do we start? So I decided to redefine how we were going to go about teaching people how to paint. And so I reached out to the best art teacher that I know, and I asked him, do you have a, you know, could you produce a program that would show people step by step by step by step? And it turned out this teacher had a proven system that he had been teaching in a studio for 20 years that he had fine-tuned. And he said, oh, you mean my You Can Paint program. So I took his class through Skype, and I recorded it. And then I watched it again and again and again. And I painted along with them. And so now what we did is we introduced first the providing the content and then the application of it. 
of me actually doing it. And that was better. That was more. And so I decided that this would be a good course. And so I brought him out and we recorded three different levels of art instruction. But the thing that really made all the difference is we added in the element of the feedback. So now they had the content, they did it. And then from a master, they got feedback on their work. And so we knew what people needed. They needed um, good instruction. They needed to see what the instructor was doing. They needed to be able to watch it as many times as they wanted. They needed the feedback. And so what I did is I set up a three-camera shoot with my artist in Texas that I control from Idaho. And that way, no matter what the artist was doing, I could switch the camera and we were on the shot. And so now what it did is it allowed us to create these workshops that could take anywhere from two to three to five to 20 to 23 hours long by meeting weekly. And we could develop this really great instruction that people could follow. And people are becoming master painters. So one question I had was just around the skill level of the people in the program. So it sounds like the learning here is pretty deep. Are the people coming into the program generally at a, you know, these people have painted before or are these and, you know, have experience and all of that? Or are they new to painting and it would work for them as well? It's both. We have people that have never painted before. I had someone tell me last week, I've never touched a paintbrush. We have people that start there. It's actually easier to start them there because the ones that have been painting, there's things they have to unlearn. And so it actually is better if they have it. But no matter where you are, there's a place to jump in. And so we start people at the very beginning if that's where they are. But they can come in, you know, if they're further along, they can come in there and then they can keep going with us. So what I mean, what do you see as some of the keys to achieving that? Because that's something that people in a lot of skill based courses struggle with, right? They struggle to get their participants to go beyond kind of the initial first steps. Well, I I think one, um, we provide really a great community. They become part of our community. We have a QA and a weekly. So they feel like they know us and they feel like they, you know, they really kind of become a part of the Alexander family. And when they become part of the Alexander family, then it's not just learning a skill. It's they're coming on with their friends. It's kind of like going to an online class there. So I think that's a big part of it. Also, they understand They see their progress. I mean, you know, the comments are, no one can believe I did this. And they see, and some of them that have tried to learn on their own for many years, because you could go to YouTube and watch all of this content, but you won't. It's a tough way to learn to paint because you can't see everything that's going on. And so I think part of it is the community. And I also think it's because of where their confidence that's growing and how they see how it's benefiting them in their lives, not only through becoming a better artist, but they gain more confidence in their life and life just becomes much richer. They see the world in a different way. You know, when you learn to paint, you see the world in full color and it adds so much richness because we're all born with creativity. That's what I believe. We're born with it. And someone said, everyone's an artist until they're told they're not. And that's so true. I mean, you know, when you were little kids, our little kids paint something or do something and they're so proud of it until they're told that it's not quite in the lines. It's not it, when you went out of the lines. No, that tree should be green, not red, you know, or whatever. And, and what happens is that creativity just gets stuffed inside. 
And as people grow older, the desire never leaves. Their confidence to do it does. And so when we can bring that out and we can reassure them and we can give them feedback that boosts their confidence in themselves, it makes a huge difference. Has that realization about the broader role of creativity or personal development, has that that changed how you approach working with your students? Absolutely. You know, it's kind of like we use painting as the medium to help people change their lives. The founder of our company, his name was Bill Alexander, and he had a mission to teach the world to paint because he believed that when people are painting, people are happier and they love others more. That The world would be a better place. He truly believed that was the answer to the world's problems, is that everyone should just pick up a paintbrush. And he asked me to continue that. And that's been my life mission is to help fulfill his dream. But somewhere along the line... I understood what it means. And when you have people that call you up and say, you know, I just didn't think living was worth it anymore. And I turned on your YouTube channel or I turned on PBS and I saw Bill Alexander and he was telling me that you have to have dark to show light. And it changes. I mean, it truly inspires people to live better. And I remember one time in a live class, you know, in the 80s, We had an artist that spoke really softly and he had a beard and people couldn't hear him. So we mic'd him. And I noticed as he walked around the classroom and he looked at someone's painting and he'd say, oh, you know, you might like to put a little bit bluer, make the blue a little deeper up in the left hand corner here. Everyone would turn and look at their paintings to see if their corner was deep enough. And so remembering that made me think It would be good whether your painting is being reviewed or not. We have everyone come on there. Everyone's welcome to come on and watch any review on the level they're at. And they're all learning whether they finish something or not. Some of them will even choose to wait and let other people be reviewed before they turn theirs in so they can get a little further. So we find that's a really, really important piece of it. So shifting a little bit in topic. So I feel like classically people would expect that a painting class would be in person for, you know, all the reasons, a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, you know, being able to, for the teacher to be able to actually point at something and show you something on the canvas. And it sounds like from what you're saying that that might be even the wrong approach if maybe just not necessary. So I guess what I'm wondering about is how did you go about the process of deciding what were the elements that were important to show and to keep versus not? Because in those three shots, I'm sure there's a lot that people can see, and I'm sure there's some things that they can't. So how do you go about kind of prioritizing what people should or shouldn't see? Okay, I have three cameras, and I record through Zoom, and I switch screens, so they're always seeing everything the artist is doing. So they're always right where they're supposed to be. Now, the artist that teaches our master classes, he taught in person for a lot of years, And he had people that would come back. He had people that moved. He moved to Texas. They did too. So they could study with him. But when they, when he stopped teaching live, they stopped progressing. And let me tell you what happens in a classroom. Two things happen. One, usually you're painting about eight hours during the day. If you're lucky, you'll be out in eight hours, sometimes 10. And when you get to the eight hour point, You don't care. You hand the brush over to the teacher and say, just finish it. You just want to be done. It's too long. 
So we broke it down into increments, you know, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. We made it easy and we made it affordable by breaking them down and then have providing payment plans, whatever works for them. And we find that that works really, really well. Students can get very, very dependent on a teacher. So, you know, the pushback that we got, it wasn't from students to learn online. It was the teachers. I had a couple teachers say, well, should they send their paintings to me so I could work on them? It's like, no, we need to trust them, but they have to do the work themselves. That makes them progress so much faster. I think it's a better model than live teaching. Anything we didn't ask, uh, Lori, or any final points that you wanted to share? Well, you know, now with the platform that we are on, and Abe, it's the Rizuku platform, we joined that just a few months ago, and we have 75 workshops up there right now that we are filling out, that we're enrolling people into workshops where that might be a two-hour, a three-hour. We've got one coming up that'll probably be a six-hour workshop, and people take one to the next to the next. So we not only have the level of our master class, but we've got a couple different master artists that do courses that we have up on that platform. And so now I have a platform to not only grow artists, but we can also grow teachers. I also have the ability now to collaborate with other teachers that aren't in the Alexander art world and create courses for them that they can sell and they can market through our platform. And that sounds good. I mean, it's a great way for you to be able to scale and bring new people in. Yes. And we're thrilled to be able to do what we do. And we know that now we can develop the next, like you said, that's the way to scale. So that's what I'm really excited about. Very cool. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much, Lori. This is great. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you very much for having me on. Our pleasure. So, Lori, just to confirm, what is the best place for our audience to go to learn more about you and Alexander Art? We have a website, alexanderart.com, and you can learn a lot about us there, alexanderart.com. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and Ari will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course. What stood out to you? This was a very rich conversation with Lori. Indeed it was. So one of the things that really stood out to me that I thought was really interesting is this idea of letting the students learn for themselves. You know, I think that we often have a tendency to want to just pour on more and more information, kind of have everything perfectly sculpted for the student that they have, as opposed to kind of letting them learn and grow themselves and kind of learn from their own process. Yeah. What do you see as some of the implications of that for you know people listening? Sure. Well, I, I think a big piece of this is, I mean, you want to be careful that you are not giving too much and you are actually creating space for the people that you're working with to learn and implement on their own so that they can actually learn the lessons as opposed to just doing things, you know, rote, this is what the way you said to do it. So I'm going to learn how to do this one thing as opposed to learn the skill set which, I mean, often that's what we're trying to create for people, an actual transformation, which if they're not able to do some deep learning is not possible. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, another thing that was interesting to me is this idea of sort of the layers of the teaching mission or the experience behind the experience. You know, so this would be different in different contexts, but, you know, in Lori's case, it had to do with, yes, on the surface, she's teaching 
art and she's teaching you like brushstrokes, like there's a technique aspect to it. But at a deeper level, she's teaching you creativity. She's teaching you to like feel more empowered or at home in yourself. Like it actually goes very deep. Like, you know, what people might struggle to teach in an explicit way in some kind of personal development course, she's getting at obliquely, but it's actually maybe more powerful because it's oblique. And so that might also be an interesting opportunity for, you know, people wanting to go deeper with their courses is think about, okay, this is the explicit mission, or these are the outcomes of my course, but what are then the, the layers behind that or the reflections, you know, that the course is leading people to that might not have been thought about as much, but could be really powerful. And would you think of that process also kind of the other way around, starting with that deeper, you know, here's something that I want to teach that teaching directly would be very difficult. Okay, what are the four steps back that I can take in order to start instilling kind of these properties or these processes for people? Yeah, I mean, if you're able to think that far ahead, you know, that's probably great. It sounds like, you know, from what Lori was sharing and other people might experience this as well, that she kind of had to uncover that or dig that out, you know, to have that discovery over time of working with people that it wasn't that obvious, you know, at the outset. So it may be more a process of as you progress in your teaching, as you serve more people, run more iterations of a course to step back and think about, okay, now what have I learned about what are the other layers that people are looking for? Well, and what are the other layers that people are getting out of this? What are the things that I'm intending to teach and what are the things that I am teaching without noticing? Right. The best kind of teaching, the, the kind that comes for free. <laughs> oh, and hopefully that is in the direction that you, you actually want to be going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Anything else that kind of jumped out to you? Those were my big things. I mean, I, I don't know. Usually we have a marketing or business takeaway. We mostly focused on her teaching approach. Yeah, I think the only thing that might be useful for people to keep in mind on the marketing and kind of business growth side of things is this idea of bringing in people to support you in teaching as you go along in order to scale further down the road. And the way that she was bringing in mentors to teach underneath the master in order to then have them lead a pre-recorded class. And so instead of her needing to be the focus of that, she's suddenly bringing in these additional people who can do it for her. And that way she can just continue growing the business without her needing to be in the nitty gritty everyday pieces of it. Yeah, that's really important. Lori Anderson is the CEO of Alexander Art. You can learn more about her and their upcoming programs over at alexanderart.com. That's alexanderart.com. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of Riziku, here with my co-host, Ari Eni. Course Lab is part of the Mercy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Once Upon a Business and Making It. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Jeff Govertson. Cynthia Lamb is our supervising producer, and Danny Eni is our executive producer. If you don't want to miss the excellent episodes coming up on Course Lab, make sure to follow us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And are you enjoying our show? If so, go ahead and leave us a starred review. It really does make a difference. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. All right, so who do we have coming on the show next week? Next week, we're going to be speaking with Sam Moody. He's uh, got a language tutoring program, and he's an awesome guy. That sounds really great. Yeah, it's been a while since we talked about anything linguistics related, maybe back since Amy Whitney in season two.
Awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind the scenes kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. I'm Melinda Cohen and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great frame. That's a, that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. So while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah. Because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness, fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. (laughs) Why are you stopping the recording? (laughs) This is going to be fun. (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.